At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. A warmer from Elo. Welcome to Love Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops-Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, we've got an excellent podcast for you guys. In segment number two, we're going to be joined by Tristan Freeman. He does great work over at Boston Brackets. We're going to be taking a little bit of a look at the ACC landscape for this year. Some of the injury concerns involving Wake Forest along with Syracuse. So a little bit there. How the conference's middle might be looking this year because the middle and bottom teams have really... Not been great for the top teams in the ACC this year, so we'll be diving in on that front. We're going to be taking a look at a pair of conferences that he is stock up and stock down on with regards to the West Coast as well, and we have to dive in on what we all saw with the NIT rule changes from Friday, if you did not hear. The at-large bids that went to these mid-major teams that won their conference during the regular season but did not win their conference tournaments, they went away and instead it's going to be a lot of power conference teams in the NIT and it seems like everyone is distraught, rightfully so with that, so we'll dive in there and he was also able to attend a scrimmage between Penn State and Robert Morris. We'll get a little bit on that front as there were a few players that did not play in that game, so I will not hit those in segment number one with the college basketball news and notes, but we certainly will be diving in on the few players from that Penn State versus Robert Morris scrimmage that were not out there and should there be any concerns there. So, nice wide-ranging chat in segment number two, and if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, Lars Yam, maybe does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. And for anyone looking for conference previews, I have done a specialized conference preview podcast for all 32 conferences. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, whatever, you just scroll down the list. Look for the conference that you want previewed, and we've got you guys all covered there. But let's take a look at what we've seen in college basketball over the last 24 hours. Wasn't necessarily the world's most rambunctious day on Saturday. I know that a lot of people had takeaways from Purdue and Arkansas playing a scrimmage that helped out charity. It was a nice exhibition. I feel like these scrimmages should be helping out charity because the results leak out. There's plenty of media members in attendance for most of these. Why not help out a good cause? So bravo to both of those teams for doing the right thing there, in my opinion. Arkansas was able to win it in overtime at home. I really don't take too much from it. I know that there are other people on XLI social media that are. We're going to talk about this with Tristan in segment number two. I would say take a look at the final score with a little bit of a grain of salt and take a look at more or less who is slash 
is not playing, some of the rotations, more of the deep dive with regards to these results rather than the final score itself. But we did see in a scrimmage on Friday, West Virginia, I believe, was going up against George Mason. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a cook a cook collapsed on the floor and he had to be taken into the hospital. It does sound like he's in stable condition, very fortunately, but I mean, the year from HE Double Hockey 6 for West Virginia continues. That's another blow. You got to figure that a cook a cook probably going to be away from the team for some time. And you just hope that a cook a cook is not affected from a life perspective because when you have a collapse on the court like that, that's really the main concern. Like at that point, you forget about basketball and you just care about the kid's well being and him being all right on that front. And if he is okay on that front, then you concern yourself more with the basketball aspect of things. But in a cook a cook, if you are looking at the X's and O's, he was supposed to be really the main guy down low along with Jesse Edwards. Jesse Edwards, as we know, a double-double machine. And a cook a cook at 6'10", he's able to pop threes. He's able to give you some block shots. And I thought that that was really going to need to be the forte of West Virginia when you've got Edwards, a cook a cook, Quinslesniski. You know what? You've got something down low. While Kirk Reese and pretty much... Seth Wilson mans a backcourt. That's really not a place where you want to be for West Virginia. And they just can't afford to lose bodies at this point with Raekwon Battle not getting his waiver as well, which is why the backcourt, it is a little bit of a liability at this point. Sansker Crease is going to need to have the ball in his hands a ton this season. And for West Virginia, the hits, they just keep on coming. This team just has not been able to catch a break all season long. And we shall see if perhaps their luck continues, but you really feel for them. And then with regards to a secret scrimmage that we did see on Saturday, San Francisco was able to get a win over USC. That's good for San Francisco, but the significance here is that Arenton Page, hopefully I said that first name correctly, along with Vince Ayuchuku, they were both out of the fold for the USC Trojans. As we know, Ayuchuku, he dealt with some massive health concerns as he went into cardiac arrest last offseason before he was eventually able to get out there on the court. But this is really something to monitor with USC because USC doesn't necessarily have the world's most tremendous depth because we know that Bronny James, unfortunately, had his health scare in the offseason. You have to be wondering when slash if he's going to be able to lace him up for USC. And with Ayuchuku along with Paige, these are expected to be two of the main big men that really left them with Joshua Morgan and nobody else on the roster, really north of six foot six, that should be able to give you really some minutes for this team. You still have Isaiah Collier, Boogie Ellis, who are going to be tremendous in the backcourt, but USC is going to have a tremendous test night number one against Kansas State. They can't afford to not have Ayuchuku and Page out there on the floor, in my opinion. Like on my initial handicap for that USC versus Kansas State game, I had USC as right around a three and a half point favorite. If both of those guys are out of the fold, I probably lean Kansas State oh so slightly, even though that game, I believe, is going to be played out here in lovely Las Vegas. So that is something that I'm really taking note of. So, I mean, the USC loss in the scrimmage, it's maybe a little bit of something, but more significantly, is Paige and Ayuchuku going to be out there on the floor? That's something that I'm taking a look at. And a man that is doing a tremendous job of taking a look at the great game of college basketball, that'd be Tristan Freeman. He was at that Robert Morris versus Penn State scrimmage. So we're going to be diving in on those two teams and the guys that were not out there on the court. We're going to take a look at the landscape of the ACC, the boneheaded decisions with regards to the NIT, format change, and so much more right here. I'm Jessica Seeks with myself, Craig Peterson, now a part of the Houston Family Podcast. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Sports betting innovative analytics has taken the guesswork and emotion out of sports betting to bring you an innovative and trustworthy resource to enhance your journey to becoming a winning player. With industry-leading money-back guarantee options backed by their sophisticated modeling, they want to introduce you to a system that's not widely seen or available to help you beat the bookmaker. Specializing in NBA, college basketball, and WNBA, your first week is always free. Get started at SBIA1.com today. Welcome back to Lovey Las Vegas for Coach with myself, Greg Peters, and now part of the Visa Family Podcast. Always a pleasure to be joined by this man. Tristan, much like myself, does amazing work taking a look at the game of college basketball all 12 months out of the year. You've heard him a lot during the offseason as he has been putting in a ton of hard work over at Bus and Brackets. That's Fan Sighted's main college basketball hub. Tristan is based out there. In the great state of Pennsylvania, more specifically the Pittsburgh area, and it's been doing a great job looking at those teams and everything nationwide. As you're able to follow him on Twitter slash X at Hoopsnut three five one all together. And Tristan, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Greg. We once again. It's always good to be able to have you aboard. And Tristan, I know that just before you came on this podcast. You had the pleasure of being able to go to a little bit of a scrimmage, the Penn State versus Robert Morris scrimmage. It landed with Penn State being able to win 68-58. to I think you're in agreement with me. The final score is not necessarily as big as some of the takeaways from the rotations, from what we're seeing from individual players. So I do want to get your thoughts as to what we saw from both teams in that scrimmage and if there's anything quantifiable that could translate from that scrimmage over to the regular season. Yeah, from Penn State's side, they didn't have Puff Johnson or Leo Boyle in the game. 
So that's something to watch. But Ace Baldwin was playing as expected. He was the best player for the team, 13.6 assists, took the most shots for the team. And he was the top guy on offense and defense. He was very effective going up against Justice Williams for RMU. So people who expected him to be the best player, I think that's likely to happen. But Kevis Wahab had 15 and 10. Coach Rose said after the game that he looked forward to showing more of his skill set, playing on the outside and showing his athleticism more instead of being just a guy back to the basket. So he was a standout player as well. And then for RMU, the LSU transfer, Justice Williams, all eyes were on him. Struggled a lot in the first half, turned the ball over a lot, but played much better in the second half. Did finish 4-15 from the field, but I think Penn State's defense is going to be tougher than anything that RMU is going to see throughout the Horizon League. And they played well overall. They were only down by five points with three minutes to go, and they are fairly competitive as well. Marquise Hastings, a transfer from Western Michigan, had a double-double against Penn State's front line. So that's a key piece to watch considering that he's replacing star Khalil Spear in the front court. And with regards to Penn State, this is pretty much a team that's made up of a bunch of VCU guys as Ace Baldwin, Nick Kern, who were over at VCU. They were playing under Mike Rose last year. They were in the starting lineup for that scrimmage as he's taken quite a few of the guys that he was coaching up last year. And with regards to how Penn State looked, do you think that they're going to be able to play a relatively similar style to how VCU did last season, or is it going to look a little bit different from your vantage point? They look exactly like Rhodes teams of VCU did last year, but that's good and bad because they were able to out-athlete just about anybody else not named Dayton in the A-10, which is how they was able to win the league and make the tournament. But that's not going to work in the Big Ten, especially when you don't have the same kind of athletes and overall talent level as some of the other teams have. And there were times, especially in the first half, where they were just really reliant on Ace Baldwin. And whenever Zach Hicks shots wasn't going down, their offense was really stagnant. So there's definitely some concerns to watch. They went 5 of 18 from the three-point line with Hicks going 2 of 10. Also, Raquandis Mitchell, the transfer from UMKC, who averaged like 16 a game, only played six minutes off the bench. He's buried a bit on the depth chart, and that's with two guys not even playing. So if he's not doing much of a factor in helping them from score range, then they're going to need Ace Baldwin to consistently have really good games. But he's going to have all the attention of the other Big Ten teams. So I think depending on where you projected them, it's hard not to look at that game and feel like they're going to do much better if you had them projected as a bottom three or four team in the league. Yeah, I do think that it's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle for them and a Big Ten that, once again, there's going to be a big, giant middle. I think it's very clear that Purdue and Michigan State are those top two teams, but at the same time, I do think that they're going to be having their struggles to be able to rise up, though. The good news for them is that I think that they are much better than Minnesota, as joining me on the show. We do have Tristan Freeman. He does amazing work over at Buster Brackets, taking a look at this great game of college basketball. And then on the Robert Morris side of things, how do you think that they might fare in the Horizon League? Because in my projector or finish, I personally add them right towards the middle in that number five, number six range, because I do think that Wright State, Northern Kentucky, and Youngstown State, along with Milwaukee, I cannot forget about Milwaukee. Those to me seem like the top teams. And then those teams like Robert Morris, Cleveland State, Oakland, I think that they're going to be really intriguing teams in an horizon league that I think you know as well as I do. It's been down the last few years, and it feels like they're finally starting to build themselves back up again. 
Yeah, the point guard play was a struggle. As I mentioned before, without Enoch Cheeks, you know, all eyes are going to be on Justice Williams. Him going up against Ace Baldwin is a tough defensive matchup to open the season, as you can ask for. But I think he has potential. But outside of TJ Rainwright going off for 15 points off the bench, they had really nothing going offensively. Now it's the concern last year that they could go on droughts whenever Cheeks or Khalil Spear wasn't scoring for them. But defensively, they look the exact same. I think they're going to be one of the top defenses in the Horizon League. They're going to balk teams down. And they'll be competitive in just about every game. But the question, though, is can they score? They shot just 37% from the field, 16 turnovers. Really didn't get much out of anyone outside of Corbin Rainwright. They didn't have Stephon Walker, the sophomore forward. They had a freshman, Fulgaris, replace them. He went scoreless 0-5 from the field, although he showed that he could be a rotation player. The question is going to be, can they get some consistent offense? And they're going to need Justice Williams again to do better than what he did in the first game. But there is some hope for them. Absolutely. And with regards to scrimmage results, because I mentioned it, you just were able to attend one yesterday. We just dove into it with regards to that Penn State versus Robert Morris scrimmage. How much have you been taking away from them? Because I do think that what we were just talking about, taking a look at just some of these rotations, taking a look at whether or not Penn State is going to be going with that VCU style, if they're going to be zigzagging a little bit, going away from that. I think that those are important notes, but what I really didn't make much of was that final score of 68 to 58, like I alluded to. Have you been sort of in the same boat, or how have you been taking in a lot of these scrimmage results and how you evaluate these teams? Yeah, I mean, you don't make it your hill to die on just because of a thing you see on Twitter or even an exhibition because sometimes teams try to experiment. But any kind of new data that you get when it comes to looking at the rotations and who's getting on the court and who's playing which position – that can always be helpful. Otherwise, you'd be going into November 6th blind, not knowing what to expect. So I was interested to see what Robert Morris was going to do with her front court rotation, especially without Walker. Got a chance to see that. And you also got a chance to see who Penn State plans on leaning on throughout the year. So you take it with a grain of salt, but you can still use it whenever you're evaluating for the next nine days before the season starts. Yep, I think that that is very well said. And I'm in agreement with you there, and especially who's not out there on the court as well. I like that at the top. You mentioned that as well because if a guy is not out there night number one, you have to be wondering if there's like a little bit of a nagging injury, things like this, and I think that those are big takeaways to be able to have from these scrimmages as well. As Tristan Freeman, who does amazing work over at Puss Brackets, is joining me right here on Cusco Soups, and we were talking a little bit about the rising leg and that leads me into something very unfortunate that we saw in college basketball over the last 48 hours. These stupid NIT rules to where now you've got the Power Six essentially getting 12 at-large teams based on net rankings, and then the final 20 bids, they're all going to be at-large bids. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on the NIT, but I don't think I've seen a single person, whether that be from the major college ranks, the mid-major college ranks, whether that be administration, what have you, say anything positively whatsoever about the NIT changes. And this just feels mindless and stupid from the NCAA. I mean, considering the fact that none of the power conference teams were even asking for it, it feels like a move where they're trying to get eyeballs on a team and have bigger names make it there. But the problem is no one cared that Michigan and Vanderbilt was playing an NIT game. Like, not even Michigan fans cared because it was a disappointment for them. And the reality is, with the transfer portal still 
remaining after Selection Sunday, some of these teams are going to get gutted just because guys either go to the portal or others simply go pro and not want to risk injury for the draft. So regardless of what the television companies want to do and try to find more ways to get eyeballs, you're not going to stop the interest in whether or not teams care or not. I feel like ultimately these kind of things will work itself out because some of these teams, either through coaching changes or roster exodus, it's not going to be the move that they think changes things. But who knows? Yeah, and in my opinion, you'd much rather have teams that actually want to be there and some fan bases that they might actually get a little bit fired up. Like when North Texas was in the NIT Final Four, North Texas is actually excited about it. Like you were alluding to, Vanderbilt being able to win a few games in the NIT, what have you. I actually used to work for the flagship station of the Vanderbilt Commodores. Not really a big deal for them. They were wishing they were in the NCAA tournament. So I am right there with you. Hopefully the NCAA pretends like this never happened, just goes back to the way that it was so we could all be happy. And plus, it's one of my biggest money makers of the year, just betting against these power conference teams that don't want to be there against the mid-majors that do want to be there. And, and I am hoping it is going to be changing. But something else that has been changing a little bit is some of these rosters out there in the ACC, as we know, quite a bit of movement in the offseason. And how do you just evaluate the ACC landscape right now? Because I think it's very clear that Duke is that number one team, but I do feel like past that there's a lot of question marks. And it's something that I know that we've mentioned at least once on the podcast. Can these bottom teams be able to be just even mediocre instead of really bad like they were last season. There's some optimism when it comes to some of the recent exhibition games. I mean, Pitt handling Georgetown by double digits is a positive sign. You see Miami and Florida having a high-scoring battle. Everyone's high on both teams, so that should feel optimistic. And Notre Dame beating Xavier. I mean, people had Notre Dame as the worst power conference teams, at least roster-wise, but... If they can score a bunch of points against Xavier, you know, I think there's questions about what Xavier looks like with the recent front court injuries. But Notre Dame might not be the bottom fear everyone thought of. And if teams like Louisville and Boston College can pull their weight and at least be competitive, then you won't have the, the bottom be as bad. And that's been the biggest issue for the ACC. Sometimes teams at the top like North Carolina or Virginia underachieve, but the teams at the bottom are so bad it automatically drags everyone down by default. If you can prevent that and just have the teams at the top just play up the expectations and collectively not struggle in a non-conference and suffer a bunch of buy losses, then you'll be contention to get back to your regular six, seven bids instead of hoping to get four or five like you have the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that that is such a big key for this conference. And with the ACC as well. Something that I've been picking up on is that we've been seeing a lot of guys going down with injury here in the offseason. I think that these are very important to be taking note of. And the biggest one to me, I don't know if you agree slash disagree, is Mari Monsanto and the fact that it looks like he's going to be missing a little bit of time for a Wake Forest team that it feels like they've been very bubblicious the last few years. They've been knocking on the door, but they haven't been able to break through. And if they're without Damari Monsanto for a bit of time, I do think that that could set them quite a bit behind the eight ball because I do think he's one of the better scorers with regards to just shooting from three-point range in the conference. Yeah, and the fact that we still don't know how the point guard situation is going to work out with Hunter Salas projected to start, Monsanto was the guy that gave them a high floor because you know he's going to be a double-digit scorer that can shoot the ball real well. 
now without him in the fold, that makes him very vulnerable, especially not knowing what the F the Reed waiver situation is going to be. Because if they don't have him at center, then either Mike Marsh is going to have to be the guy or they're going to be in trouble in the two most important positions. And now they got to find a shooter somewhere to replace Monsanto. And that's going to be really hard at this point outside of Andrew Carr just having a bigger role on the team. I do think that taking a look at this Wake Forest team is going to be really interesting, along with Syracuse as well as Tristan Freeman, who does amazing work over at Boston Brackets, is joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops because we did notice that with regards to these scrimmage results, I believe that it was a scrimmage from Friday. Might have been Thursday, but I thought it was Friday. Judah Mintz was sitting out, and apparently he's dealing with a little bit of a lower back issue. As we know, Syracuse, for the first time in about 758 years, is without Jim Bay. I am on the sidelines. And how do you take a look at this Syracuse team? Because if they're missing Judah Mintz for a little bit of time, I think that that could really set them back as they look to go a little bit further away from what they've done for just so many years under Jim Bayheim with Mr. Autry taking over the program. I mean, if they don't have Judah Mitz, then they're, then they're doomed because there's so many question marks, both in the front court, how the backcourt duo is going to work from a shooting perspective between Mitz and Starlin, and then which of these underclassmen has a breakout campaign Plus, we still do not know if they, if Coach Autry is good. I don't want to compare him directly to Payne, but not all high-profile first-year head coaches work out. So with so many questions, Mintz was the one proven guy for them that you can rely upon. If he's not able to be effective on the court, then that's just going to set them back before they even begin. Yep, I do think that that would be a very brutal blow, to say the least, and that is something that I am going to be tracking as well. And Tristan, I know you've been doing a great job of just tracking everything throughout the offseason, and we have been getting more and more of these scrimmage results the last two weeks, and I've asked you this question quite a bit, but with regards to what we've seen the last two or so weeks with some of these scrimmage results, what have you, is there a team or two that has really stood out that either you're feeling a little bit better on or you're now maybe feeling a little bit worse on? Not just teams, but I think conferences, if you want to go stock up, stock down, or WCC versus Pac-12. I mean, last week we had Santa Clara knock off UCLA, and UCLA has multiple guys sitting out due to NCAA eligibility issues, and they went the international route, and depending on what the NCAA does with a couple of those guys, including the Daymara, that could really come back to bite them. And then on Saturday, you have the report coming out that San Francisco beats USC. Now, USC has multiple injuries in the front court. They still don't have Bronny James, but their depth is incredibly limited. They got probably one of the best duo backcourts in the country and Isaiah Colley and Boogie Ellis. But outside of them and DJ Rotman, the Wazoo transfer, they have next to nothing. And San Francisco, who doesn't have Jamari Bouye, or, or the, that was the year before, but Khalil Shabazz, and other guys, losing to San Francisco is not a great optimism because that means that they're very vulnerable if their stars can combine for like 40 points a game. So who knows what that means for the Pac-12. I think some of the top teams could be extremely vulnerable in the first month of the year. But the WCC isn't just Gonzaga and St. Mary's. They have a few top 100 teams. San Francisco and Santa Clara has been at that top tier. And then when you look at other teams like LMU and potentially even Pacific, depending on what they do with some of their new pieces, that league could be more interesting to watch outside the top two as it didn't expect it. 
Oh, I'm so glad that you brought that up. San Francisco being able to get that scrimmage win over USC is big. Once again, you don't want to take it as an end-all, be-all, and be like, all of a sudden, I need to have San Francisco in front of USC in terms of my power ratings. But still, I mean, it's a pair of teams in Santa Clara and San Francisco that I thought were going to be solid, but they were certainly well below Gonzaga and St. Mary's going in, and for them to be very competitive with regards to these scrimmages, to see these guys coming together, I think is a very good sign, and it's always a very good sign for this podcast whenever you're on the guest list because it means that we're always going to have a great show, Tristan. You do amazing work over at Boston Brackets. You've been joining me so much this offseason, lending tremendous insights. So let the good people at home know it's on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yep, you can follow me at Hoops351 on X. You can also follow at Boston Brackets for the latest college basketball news. Finishing up the previews in a couple of days, and then we're actually going to start preview and actual games coming up in less than 10 days. It is beautiful. College basketball is going to be back in our lives within the next few days. Tristan, he is doing an amazing job of getting set forward, and his time is always appreciated. A big thanks to Tristan for joining me on Ghost Ghost Soups, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And if you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Ghost Ghost Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what I have before this podcast, do have one of two ways we have farthest in. First one is my Twitter slash X, timeline at GNRS41. Keep in mind, Larry ZM. If it does not matter, as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Now, with us being a little bit over a week away from the start of the season, we are really getting down to it. So please do send in those questions. And my job now is to just... Get us set for the upcoming season. As you guys know, once we get in season, you're getting picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. I will throw out there the D1 versus non-D1 games. Those do not get listed up on the betting board. So it's only Division 1 versus Division 1, but still 100 million billion games. So you don't need to stoop to betting on these scrimmages or anything like that. In a little bit over a week, we're going to have you covered with so many picks. So much fun. It's going to be a tremendous season, and I'll be with you guys every single day along the way, and I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.